And we are live. Hello and welcome to this week's Billy Live Friday, or maybe you're joining us in the Body I Love You podcast. Either way, I'm so glad that we're hanging out right now. My name is Sydney Ravalata, and I am the co-creator of Body I Love You, which is a course and a community that literally teaches you how to love yourself. I am joined today by a very special guest who is a new friend of mine. And it was one of those cool, like when your cool friends have cool friends situation that we just kind of like hooked up and got to know each other. Um, but I have Corinna Soto here with me today. Corinna, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Damn. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much. And yes, thank goodness for friends, like aligned friendships, because I feel like in having aligned friendships, I get to connect and meet with other people that are also aligned friendships or like-minded and soul sisters in some way. So, so glad that we've connected. Um, yes, my name is Karina Soto. I am primarily a speaker, a podcast host, and I've been a woman's mentor over the last four years, primarily working on the relationship you have with yourself, authentic expression. Outside of that, I'm just your typical girl and woman, just like everyone else, um, doing life, doing things and working on herself. So thank you so much for having me. Oh my God. It's such a pleasure. And I actually had the pleasure of joining your podcast. Um, I don't know, like a week or two ago. And we had such a beautiful conversation that you facilitated around this journey that you are going on in getting your breast implants removed. And I have the honor of being the first kind of interview or podcast post surgery, right? Yeah, no, this is the first. So yeah, exactly. So this is the first podcast where I'm actually going to be talking about there directly. I've spoken about this journey, you know, the idea of like, why am I getting my breast implants removed? How did I get there? What does that look like on the podcast, which led to so many people asking questions about like, how did you get so confident in your body? How do you love your body so much? Which is why I brought you onto the podcast. So you can give tips and tricks to everyone else. And so now you are catching me post-surgery and you're the first one to dive into how I'm feeling and how I'm doing. And it's so it's very raw and present and fresh on my mind. And I'm sure there's so much more that I get to integrate over the upcoming months, but this is just such great timing. Yeah. And having said that, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Yeah, I am feeling really good. Um, I am so blessed for how I'm feeling. Um, you know, the recovery process looks so differently for everyone. So I, you know, I say that with, this is like just how my experience has been. I don't know how this experience would be for everyone else. Um, but when I went into my pre-op appointment, they made it sound like I wasn't going to be able to do anything for like four to six weeks. And I originally went in with the thought of like, within the first week, I'll be up and jamming and doing my own thing. So when I heard that, I was like, four to six, four to six weeks, weeks. I can't do anything, yeah. you know? And so I'm excited to say and to share that I'm about literally a week and a half, probably post-surgery and after a week, I started being able to do things on my own simply as like being able to shower, being able to feed myself, being able to do things like that. And every single morning I wake up a little bit stronger, Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more, just like just way more energy. So I'm feeling really, really good in this moment. Good. And for those of you who can't see Corinna, she's glowing like an angel. It's when you hopped on, I was like, this is not how I usually appear post anything along those lines. (laughs) So that is awesome. And there's so many different perspectives that we can talk about. So we're talking about breast implants. We're talking about how you got them removed. I think the kind of full circle thing that's missing is why do you think you got them removed? Mm. Oh, this is such a, this is, I think the most important part to my process. Um, So a lot of people have decided in the most recently, there's a lot of trends of getting these breast implants removed. And a lot of people are getting them removed because of breast implant illness. And while I think that's so true, and I think I've definitely had some symptoms related to breast implant illness, but I'd like to say that that wasn't my initial reason why of getting these removed. Um, About a year and a half ago, I was in Peru and I was on a hike in Machu Picchu and with my family and it's about a seven hour hike. I mean, it was gruesome. It was the coolest thing to get from Cusco to Machu Picchu is one of the 
it was amazing. And I was so grateful for it. But on that hike, I took a specific photo with my dad because my dad and I were partnered up. He's 62 and he needed some, some love and some help and encouragement as he was doing this. Cause I was like, dad, I'm not going to leave you. I didn't end up leaving him until probably the last two hours. Cause by then I was like, you have someone else with you. You're okay. Yeah. Um, but I took a photo with my dad and I have this photo and my implants look so big on my chest. And I didn't have big implants in general. Like when I first got them done, I actually got them done. And I was like, I don't want anyone to notice that I got these breast implants. Like there was this part of me that I was like, I want to look so natural. I don't want to look fake. I don't want to look like these aren't mine. And so it wasn't that I got double D's or like when I got them in, but the photo, I just saw them and I was like, Whoa, those aren't mine anymore. Like Mm, those are just not mine. They no longer belong. And so that's when I knew. And like the entire rest of the hike, like I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I was like, why did I get these in? They're no longer mine. I have to get them out. I had to get them removed. And I could not get them out of my mind. And I vividly remember like talking to my mom about it and I was, she was like, I'll support you. Let's get them out. And I think that's all that I needed was to know that Mm. I wasn't alone in this process. And then from there, what I've realized, like truly the reason why is, you know, I got them in from a place of insecurity. You know, I got them in from a place of, I want to change my body. I mean, there's so many things like, so one of the reasons why I got them in too. So I have, um, a genetic disorder, I guess the best way I have a lack of collagen in my body and I'm blanking on, it's called Ehlers syndrome. And so my nipples looked a little bit more bigger and weird. They like didn't fully develop in the way that I wanted them to develop by 20. And I didn't realize my body can continue to change. Duh. But at 20, I'm like, I want my nipples to look good because now people are seeing my nipples. Um, and I went in and they're like, okay, this is a diagnosis. So insurance can pay for you to fix your nipple. And the plastic surgeon at the time was like, well, if you're already going into for us, for me to fix your nipples, like, do you want breast implants? And when you're talking to a girl that is insecure about her body has disordered eating is constantly managing how much she's eating, how much she's not eating at the age of 20. Like, I mean, that was almost like a no brainer. It was like 50% off, like insurance kind of covered half of the surgery at the time. And I was like, sure, let's do it. I'd love to. And that's how I originally got them in. And so you can already just tell from the state that I was in, that it was just led from a a lot of decisions from a lot of wounding. Um, but the reason I got them out is because I have created such a, I've worked so much on loving my body and finding comfortability and confidence and just falling in love with who I am for however it was. And then I knew at that point about a year ago that these implants are no longer mine and it's time for me to come home to my body and just be me. Oh my God. The term, the phrase come home to my body is such a beautiful thing. And I, what an interesting thing that you were able to look at them through this lens of like, those aren't mine anymore. And to your point, being 20 years old, it's predictable. Your frontal lobe wasn't fully formed yet. We are arguably at our most insecure the most insecure. And it's just for, for that, not to even have, I remember when you told me this, the last conversation we had, when you told me that you weren't even going into this appointment for that reason, it was something that, and how many times do you hear that from women who will go in for something and then all of a sudden their face and their body is totally marked up and just all these other ideas of other things that they should do. So of course we get into our brains and we're like, oh, well, if this doctor is telling me that I would like this and this would be good and I would look younger and it's valuable, then obviously. Also, I'm so, I'm so, insurance covered half of the cost of breast implants? No, they just the, nipple, it was the, whole, the, just the it. nipple part because it was a diagnosis through genetically like this collagen thing. And they're like, okay, like this is this. So like I was just fixing my nipple because my nipple... I don't know how to say it. it looked like more inflated than normal. Like the skin wasn't fully developed or filled in. And like, so yeah. that's why. Yeah. Um, and so I had gone through like a number of testing and blah, blah, blah. And so that's, that's how it ended up being. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's okay. still the case now that women are changing their bodies so much, or like, if that would be a thing, but because I was diagnosed with the lack of collagen in my body and how it can affect me and da, 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 da. So. Yeah. Okay. I, was just like giggling to myself as I was thinking about 
questions that I wanted to ask you. And I just started laughing so hard. I was like, I fucking love my job. Cause one of my questions is literally boobs. What are your thoughts? <laughs> and I just, I want, when I say that, I want to know, like, what did you learn about boobs growing up? How did you see boobs growing up? Did you yeah. think, you know, like just how was that for you? No, I think that's the most important piece. You know, like when I was more like flat chested, like now I'm back in the itty bitty club and I love my itty bitties. Like they're so, they're so great. You know, at the time, you know, it's really interesting to witness the trends 20 and the when I was 20. So about like 11 years ago, 11 to 12 years ago, like the trends were big boobs. You know, you saw that on social media, you saw big boobs were feminine. They were sexy, you know, they were this thing. And so I was fed that like bigger boobs made me more desirable, made me more wanted, made me more sexy in my body. You know, I'd be more even, and I'm already kind of a curvy girl anyways. Like I got a big booty and things like that. So I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. I, I want to be the whole voluptuousness, you know, not just one or the other. And what's been interesting to happen is at the time, that's how I saw was sexy or what I thought was feminine. And now, since I've been healing a lot of my relationship with my body and just my sexiness and my, my feminine power and feminine energy, and like really being in tune, I've realized that it's not so much in the outside, like what I actually look like the, the sexiness of the confidence comes from within. Right. And so it really doesn't have to be because I have big boobs. Like I can have that energy with smaller boobs. And I've noticed like this weird attraction, not attraction, maybe observation of when I see a very confident woman that doesn't have big boobs, I'm like, wow, you vibrate. Your essence is incredible. And I just don't think I had that lens 12 years ago because what I saw as beautiful was more of like what I saw on social media, what I saw through marketing, what you heard men talk about. And I was like, what? Just, this is all image related. But when I think about like just a woman's essence and sexiness and things like that, that comes within and doesn't really matter what they look like. It's just a, a matter of owning that essence and like it just perspective like coming through almost yeah. um that I think is so much more different but yeah now now I think all boobs are great like I don't think I even now I'm in this place where I don't think I notice boobs anymore I'm just like you I see your face I see your essence I who you are as a person but I don't really notice like do you have big boobs do you have small boobs do you have a big butt do you have the, 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 the like none of that stuff actually even goes through my mind anymore yeah it's so interesting how our brains can literally shift. I was thinking about how at such a young age, I just wanted boobs so bad. I I remember like being jealous of my babysitter's boobs, like literally just like yeah. acknowledging that she had boobs. And I was just like, oh, I just, I want to look like Natalie. It's like I was just, and like stuffing like socks in my shirt and stuff like that. I just wanted it so badly. And even- I think I shared this with you on our last conversation, but I, in fifth grade, one of my best friends, we're still friends till this day. She read somewhere that, um, if you eat a lot of corn, then it will make your boobs grow, which is literally just pointing to like hormones <laughs> being in the food, which is not something that my nine-year-old brain wrapped around, but we ate corn like every single day. <laughs> Cause we just wanted to have boobs so bad. And we both have large boobs as adults. So, you know, who knows, but it it's so interesting because I wanted boobs so bad and then I got them and I was really excited about that. And I got them at a pretty young age. So it's interesting, um, kind of, you know, just both knowing that I was a child and I had boobs. I just remember that being kind of like a, a weird thing. And obviously when you're, I mean, not all people, but when you're younger, you kind of like want to be a woman, you know? And, um, it's so interesting the different perspectives of someone with smaller boobs and how they view people with bigger boobs and vice versa, because I, it's so weird. And I, I don't even think I have anything to anchor this to, but when I see women with smaller boobs, I instantly think they're like a cool girl. <laughs> they're like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, but like, there's something cool girl about them. Like they can like wear, they can dress more like androgynous. Like it's actually more difficult for women with um, curvier figure figures to like when people dress in androgynous or even masculine, it's usually in thinner bodies. 
And I don't know, there was just like kind of this essence of like, there's something cool about you, which is so weird. And I think I just realized that in this conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It's really funny how we just have those moments, you know, how we think of something and associate it with something else. And I, and I always go back to like, where the hell did that come from? Like, right. But I also, I think the other thing that came up while you were saying that, like, I think there is this sense of, especially when you're going through puberty, like when you're starting to develop and your body's developing and other women are developing and it's like, well, why am I not developing? Like they're supposed to be developing. And there's like this sense of like, oh, my flat chested, you know, or like my bras aren't as big as them. And like, oh, they're showing that that they have bigger boobs than I do. And so I think I also probably went through that a little bit of like comparison at that age of like, wait, they're developing in one way. Like, why am I not developing in that way? And I don't think there was ever the, I mean, puberty, sex, hormones, periods. I never had those conversations where I think my mom tried talked about sex a lot, but when it came to puberty, I remember having this small book with like images of like what, what puberty was and a vagina and describing that, but the actual conversation of like, we're all different and we develop different never happened. All I had as references were the other girls that were at school, you know, the other women that I was surrounded by. And I was like, wait, I don't have as big as boobs as they do, you know? Yeah. Totally. And again, it's so interesting to just like view all the perspectives of that. Cause I too have been in a position where you're looking at someone and it's like, why can't I look like her? And like, just even seeing attention that that person gets for the things that you feel jealous about is like, that does something to your brain, especially at a young age. Yeah. And it was interesting. Cause I started to develop in like sixth grade. And I remember like a period of time where boys would like hug me more and it like even just your eyebrows right now like yeah it's creepy yeah and like I I remember I remember like I don't know it was literally 50 50 Corinna I literally feel like there was part of me that's like yes I'm like becoming this woman with boobs and there was another part of me that's kind of like they're just hugging me because I have boobs like there was something that felt like slightly violating about it as well I I get like what's my boobs so you're just like hugging me all the time now yeah. And it's even just getting that attention can be um really vulnerable. Like uh, the energy that I think of in my brain is literally just that you're like standing on a stage naked with a spotlight on you. It's just when you can't hide your body. We talked about this before too, where like when you're curvier and that could mean boobs, butt, that could mean stomach, that could mean whatever, like you can't just disappear and you almost feel inherently in danger for simply existing in the body that you're in. It's, it's a frustrating thing to, to be in. Yeah. I think you shared that on the podcast too, where you're like, you were speaking about like, because this was here, it's like, these are, because I have big boobs, because I'm more voluptuous, it's like so much more noticeable, which is so interesting to also hear that perspective, you know? Yeah. Um, And almost like, I think you mentioned, like there was no way of like hiding it. It's just like, no, these are here. These are present. This is what is. Um, So very interesting that you reflect that. Yeah, definitely. And you already started to answer this and I love the way that you did, but I, I'm curious how your definition of femininity has shifted over time. Mm. I mean, this is like, I'm like thinking about it because there's just so many different nuances to this. I mean, I know. it's such a hard conversation, like feminine. I thought what was sexy. And I mean, I think social media played like is such a huge part in my life and like marketing more than anything. Um, and influence my perspective of what I thought was sexy or feminine. And then as I've like grown and evolved and created this deeper connection with my body and realizing it wasn't so much about my image, but who I was and my essence, um, there is such a difference. Like you can see someone that quote unquote looks like a beautiful Barbie, but there's no, there's no, um, sauce there. There's security. There's like more vanilla. There's not a lot of depth or essence or expression or fullness. And what I find in the feminine is like so much more about, um, just being fully you like fully present in your emotions, your depth, your, your truth, your expression, just like this level of confidence is just you. And 
it really comes down to just who you are. And I think that also just embodies the feminine. Um, and it highlights our confidence in that way in a different way, because there's this level of love and trust within ourselves versus this level of like, how can I reach for everyone's attention? It's like very much like this is mine. And so when I see women that are just so in their essence, they just love their essence. They're not trying to change their essence. They're not trying to be anything else. Like it's really beautiful to witness, um, that, and that really, really comes through for me. Now there's so much love for women that haven't found that yet too. Like, I know that that's available to everyone. And so if anything going through this process, like I'm able to witness where I can celebrate love and support women to just loving themselves more in their bodies. But it really takes, it does take a deep practice within, and there's no judgment to where you are on that spectrum at all. 100%. And I love that you said that because we're all just like on our own journey and wherever you're yeah. at is not wrong. We're all just growing from the cards we were dealt and the experiences that we've had growing up for sure. But it's so interesting to hear you say that. I feel like, I feel like I kind of got gypped in so many ways because thinking about growing up, what I viewed femininity as so much of it is viewed through the male gaze. Like so much of it is literally like, what's the, um, Roger Rabbit's girlfriend with the red hair. And she has like the voluptuous in the cartoon. Her name's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yes. When I, back then, when I was growing up, when I thought about femininity, I literally thought of that, or I literally like, when I close my eyes, I think of like a pearl necklace and like, you're like cooking for your spouse and you're taking more of a submissive role. And like, that's what it means to be feminine. And it's so interesting as I get deeper and deeper into feminism, how that has shifted, because now there's, there's so many things that I'm realizing we were kind of told or taught were weaknesses about what it means to be feminine. And I'm realizing in my adulthood that they are actually tremendous strengths that the world is actually severely lacking and in need of. And I think of, I was just, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually about like my favorite parts of being a woman and femininity. And I would say number one or one of the number ones is empathy and perspective. Like I just, truly women's ability to be so empathetic and just like, I don't know, just like create this bond, like how they interact, how women who are strangers interact. Like there's just something so beautiful about the way that a woman's brain works. And I also, we always use the kind of like gatherer brain method of like, women have to know like what, what berries were grown in which season and which are over there and which are over here or whatever. And it just, It kind of reminds me of so many women that I talk to these days where when it comes to making a decision, they're actually making a hundred micro decisions at the same time because they're considering their friend who's involved or their spouse or their kids. They're considering the weather. They're considering the parking, the driving situation, the food situation, all this stuff. And it's just the fact that all of that happens in the flash. No one gets to tell me that that's a weakness. That is such an an incredible, crazy strength that women have. And also I would say another, this kind of goes hand in hand with that, but women's ability to create community is just so beautiful. It could bring tears to my eyes. There's something so nurturing and inviting and again, empathetic about the feminine energy that creates so much community. And I think equity in so many ways and equality in so many ways. And I think that that is so important. So it's so interesting that growing up, my view of femininity was such like a, I don't know, literally like a a cartoon version of like a a man's perfect dream. Yeah, exactly. And now growing up, it's, it's so conceptual and it's so deep and it's so loving and it's just so different. It's crazy how that changes. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it feels like you saw like an image and then you like, like I was right. Like we both saw images, like we have this image of what it looks like. And then it's almost like you see how that image is being consumed or absorbed by the man and how they react to that. And like, 
in ways like me too. Like I saw it and I was like, well, people are drawn to her because she looks like this. You know, there's this, this external thing that we try to make sense of and like, think like, okay, external means X, Y, Z. And you're talking so much to like underneath the external, like what's the internal qualities of being the feminine and something that there's just like so much research about this now. And you see this in corporate, you see this in the workspaces, you know, it's definitely male dominant, you know, it's definitely masculine energy. But they are starting to recognize, and even men are, I mean, the one that are like truly starting to wake up to like, oh, we need women um, too, because of all the qualities that you spoke to, the empathetic, the ability to handle multiple tasks, right? We're just so much more dynamic in our energy and men are more, are just like the masculine is just so structured, so logical, so direct, so so rigid thinking versus like the feminine is such more open and flowiness and surrender and vulnerability. And we have such a beautiful connection to our emotions that Mm. comes easy to us in a lot of ways, which is also interesting to think about because I think a lot of us struggle to feel our emotions, which as a somatic practitioner, like that's a whole nother thing, but we do have this easier way to tap into that sense of sensitivity um, and depth that a lot of men don't. And a lot of things that I think about in that world is like, we do need both, you know, for yeah, 100%. The feminine women, you know, a lot of the work that I do is to like, when I talk to women or like things like that is there can be women that are overly emotional and they need the structure, you know, and then there's a lot of women that are in their masculine all the time and need to surrender and find that flow in the mat and the feminine. And so we do need yeah. both. I still strongly believe that women are very powerful in that we have like a direct connection to a lot of these things, Yeah, but it doesn't mean men don't. It's just that they might be a little bit further far away from the process of connecting to that. But this is right. where men or women are such an invitation for the masculine. And I'm not talking about just masculine and men, but just like the masculine energy in general, Yeah, yes. because there are a lot of women that are in their masculine and they've gone into their masculine for survival reasons, but we as the feminine has just like, we're just like plugged in and it, it's there. There's access to plugging into all these things. It's not, it's not, not there at all. It's yeah. actually truly, really there. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And something too, that I just really want to reiterate, um, is that there's zero judgment with what anyone decides to do with their bodies. And at the end of the day, that is the hill that I will die on is that it is your absolute right to choose what you want to do with your body. So there is no judgment in any way, shape or form where we are coming from is it is a, it is always a place to get curious. When you notice that you are consistently wanting to alter your body and you're getting kind of like immediate hits of dopamine or satisfaction in the small ways that you do, or if you're always just trying to like shift the way that you look, it is an opportunity to get curious about where that comes from. This kind of chronic unacceptance of yourself and the way that you look. And we just always, it's so valuable to just open the conversation up as to like where these decisions come from. And Karina, as you were talking, it's so interesting because you were like, I mean, obviously I was so young and insecure. Like, obviously I want bigger boobs. And it's so crazy how much that makes sense. Like in our brains, we're like, of course you want bigger boobs when you're that age and you're insecure about your boobs. And I think we don't stop to realize why we want bigger boobs and how so many people can have their own reasons. But at the end of the day, we have been fed through the male gaze that there is this optimum way for a woman to look. And whether it's a conscious thing or a subconscious thing that impacts where we are choosing from. So I, Corinne, I think it's so important where you came into, where you literally looked at them and you were like, those aren't mine anymore. That's actually not what I want to choose anymore. That's not what I want for myself anymore. And I think just um, that perspective is powerful. And that's a whole thing in itself. You know, I think when it comes to choices, right? Like we do have an opportunity once we start to become more aware of where we're choosing from, because like there's so many times where I don't know where I'm choosing from. I'm just, I'm just doing it this thing. So the, the work is to find out where you're choosing from. Yeah. But I also want to lean into like, you can change your choices. Like you don't have to stay stuck or defined in, in your choices. And it's, that's also difficult, right? Like I, I mean, this never crossed my mind, but I could have easily been in this spot of like, well, I made this choice to get my boobs done um, um, 10 plus years ago. I'm going to own it. Like I am stuck with owning it because that is definite, that is um, concrete, that is rigid. 
And the truth is no, like we can change and evolve and choose. And I think about this, you know, as a, as a speaker and like really inviting people to be in their authentic expression, like this comes up in our day-to-day lives and relationships. You can say no to one thing one day, and then you can say yes to the next thing the next day. And that is such a power of choice that we do have that we forget the flexibility and adaptation that we do. Now, the reason I say that is because one day you could feel really confident and comfortable with something. And then the next you could feel like, no, I am not okay with that. And I say no right now. Um, And so choice is also adaptable to how we're experiencing in the moment. Um, but again, knowing where you're choosing from. And so we can change our choices. We can shift, we can transform in a lot of ways. That was so beautiful hearing you say that. Cause it was, you said it from such a feminine energy of like, there is kind of this pressure of like, when we choose something, it's like, no, no, no. You said you can never get divorced. You said 50 years ago, yeah. you were going to be with me forever. Like whatever the thing is, you know? And I feel like that tends to be such a masculine energy and just the way that you speak to the fluidity and flexibility of just giving yourself permission to change your mind and how that's human and that's okay. And like, it's actually, we should, we're constantly growing. Why would we commit to the same thing every day that we were when we were so much younger? It was so beautiful to watch you describe it in that way. Thanks. I think it's such an important piece, right? And as I, as we evolve, like whether it's loving our bodies, whether it's becoming the woman that we want to become, like, I think every new layer of undoing that we go through or every new layer of evolution opens a new door and a different perspective. So it's like, well, now I can choose something different because I do have a different view on this or a different understanding. And I think that's just important to integrate into our lives more because it can be easy to get caught up in like the, I said, I was going to always be like this, you know? Yeah. And it's like, no, we can change. We're evolved. And that's actually what we're meant to do in this life anyways. Like God did, or the universe and God didn't say you are meant to be this thing. Like the beautiful thing about life is evolving. Um, We're going to be a beautiful evolution. And there's so much creativity and fluidity in that. Um, So, and your body is ever evolving 100% as well. Just imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I, I haven't had babies. I don't know what that looks like, but you know, there's a lot of conversations about like, oh my gosh, my body has changed so much. And my body has changed so much from like 20 years, like 10, 12 years ago already. I mean, yes, I did something physically to change that for me, but you know, we just change so much. And so if, if we're naturally changing, it's like, how can we also create like our inner soul to learn how to adapt with that too? Totally. It's your relationship with the thing that's changing as well. It's so interesting having this conversation because I'm thinking like, I wanted boobs so bad and then I got them and I was like socially rewarded for it. And I thought it was really cool. And then I got attention that I didn't want from it. So then all of a sudden it kind of became something I was scared of and, and wanting to like hide and kind of reject. And then just really going through so much of this journey. It's something that again, I I officially say like my, my cleavage makes me feel powerful and not powerful and that I'm desirable or that I'm like trying to like lure anyone into whatever it, it, I don't know, just there's, there's something about my body, my decollege. It's not just my boobs either. It's, it's my chest. It's my collarbones. There's, it's like my whole like heart chakra when that shines to the world that makes me feel powerful. And it's such a different perspective because I love my boobs and the power they give me not at all through the lens of the male gaze or through the lens of vanity or desirability, but because there's an energy, there's an essence there. And it feels so cool to have gone through all the highs and lows of relationships of loving them, hating them. And how that is, you know, other people see that to go into like, now I love them. And that is my decision. That is my making. That is something that I did. And nobody actually has the power to take that away from me. And that Mm -hmm. is a trip. I love that you feel that way. I'm so glad you brought this up too, because that's where I got to before I got my breast implant or before I got them removed. Yeah. And one of my biggest fears was closing up again and like not wanting to show this, like not wanting to have my heart wide open, Um, especially in my relationship. So like I've gotten so quote unquote confident and in my body where I would walk around the house naked. (laughs) you know, when it comes to sex, I'm like, here's all of me and like tops and stuff. Like I would be like, okay, this is it. And the biggest fear that I had come up was like, well, what if I close up because I'm not like this part of me doesn't feel open and seen. And there is something about my chest and my heart when it feels like this, 
that feels really good. And it feels powerful. It feels confident, like to what you were talking about, but yeah, I truly have this like big fear of like, am I going to close up again? Like, I don't want to feel that way again. I've felt the ups and downs of, of not being open and wanting to close up and like wanting to hide and wanting to put myself under clothes or if the things that I wore just made me look a certain way. Like I, I know what all of that felt like. So I did have this like really big fear of like, what if that gets taken away because it feels really good, but also like, because I, like I have tears in my, like starting to get emotional because I just know what the ups and downs feel like to what you were just talking about. Absolutely. And I know we're only like just over a week out, but I remember you telling me that that was kind of a fear of yours. Wow. How are you feeling post surgery around that? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Like people have asked me a question and to be honest right now, I haven't been able to fully embrace them. You know, totally, like I haven't been totally. able to like wear the clothing. Like right now, all I can wear is sweatshirts, button ups and zip ups because I can't put things over or things like that. Um, but just as of two nights ago, I started just like walking around the house naked again. Cause I was like, damn, I need to fucking breathe. Cause I'm so used to being like open and this Love. bra was like constricting and this clothing was constricting. So Nick and I, so Nick and I are in this like I've never seen Star Wars and he's like, you're going to finally see Star Wars. And since I can't do anything else, but like watch TV and we'll go for walks and work, we started watching Star Wars. So I'm like literally just naked, um, embracing <laughs> my boobs, watching Star Wars. And we do have a mirror that sits across from our couch in the living room. And I saw them and I was like, babe, they look so cute in that angle. And, and I think like, I'm starting to get these like moments of like, oh, I love them. Like, they're so great. Like they look good in that way. And I think it's just going to take that more and more. And so, yeah. and more and more practice. And I can't wait to like fully wear like a little bitty top and like a tight top and like embrace them. I think I just haven't been able to fully embrace them recently, but I'm starting to have moments where I'm like, I'm going to walk around and own them, you know, like this is it. And I am getting the feedback back, which I think is um, really validating too, because of the work that I've done. I could have easily gone the spiral of like, they don't look as big as they used to, but I got this immediate, like, wow, they look cute in that angle. Mm. I like that. You know, that brings me so much joy. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And even just like for it to have been practically yesterday and, and that you're already feeling those things is great. And just wanting to acknowledge too, that like anyone else who's in your situation might feel the exact way that you feel fearful about feeling. And I just super want to normalize that too. And it's so as our bodies change, we are adaptive creatures, but sometimes I'm a slow processor. It takes me a bit to like process life and, yeah. and new transitions and things. And that is so human and that is so normal and it's so okay to go through phases where you don't feel like you love your body. You don't feel like you like your body. You feel like you're tolerating your body. You feel neutral about your body, like whatever the thing is exactly what we were saying earlier, wherever you're at is not wrong. That's just where you're at on your journey. And that is absolutely mm -hmm. perfect. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. The, one of the last things I want to speak to just because when it comes to femininity and what it looks like, I don't know, I just feel called to share different ways that I have seen women kind of practice their femininity that looks differently than what we usually see. And this actually stems from, um, Karen, I don't think I've told you this, but week six of body. I love you. The theme is gratitude and celebration. And we actually call it queen week because we just invite all of our participants to treat themselves like fucking Queens for, for the day or for the week or like whatever feels good to you. And doing it in a really like intentional perspective and whatever that means to you. And it's been so cool because I'm very cliche with my queen. Like my queen is drenched in velvet. She's wearing a, a crown. She's got a red lip. Like she's a queen and not everyone resonates with that level of like, you know, feminine power and totally. their, their version of it looks a little bit different. So we ask people to like name them. Some people come to the session having just exercised and they're like all sweaty and glistening. And like, that's what makes them feel really powerful. The fact that they could just like do all these powerful things with their bodies. We had someone show up in like straight up lingerie one time. We were like, yes, absolutely. You are a fucking queen. Definitely. We had someone just show up in a white robe and she was like, I've never felt more luxurious in my entire life. And it's just so cool to see the different ways. And again, I'm really just pointing to what we were taught to believe about femininity versus 
what we actually truly believe within ourselves. And that can be hard. That can be difficult to uncover sometimes because we're so deeply trained, but like truly, what does it mean to you? Even like just the, I noticed the little earrings I'm wearing today make me feel so like you and feminine. It's just like the smallest thing. I love the way they feel like brushing up against my neck. I love the stone in them. They make me happy. Like it's something so little that has nothing to do with my desirability that makes me feel happy and feminine. Do you have anything else that you do or that you've seen other people do that makes you just feel powerful and feminine? Oh my gosh. Yeah. For me, it's always been dancing. Um, I know we've talked about this a little bit, but like even just the embodiment. So I'm also a trauma-informed somatic practitioner and a lot of the work is moving the emotions through the body. And that has brought in this like sense of divine center in my confidence. Like, so my morning practices usually look like literally putting on a song that makes me feel sexy or that taps into the emotion that I'm feeling, whatever that is. So it can be like very sad. It can be like, it can be just very feely, like feels whatever that song is. And then just letting my body move in any direction that it wants to move. That has been probably the the unlocking key for me. And so I've just felt that that, that for me has been really big. And then Um, I just want to talk to like what you're talking about, like dressing up. It can be such a somatic experience for us, like really embodying it. It's amazing how clothing can, or like the, what we're wearing or the clothing can also be a practice of feeling feminine, feeling confident, feeling bold. And that looks so different to everyone. Um, so whenever I get dressed up, I mean, clothing has ever done that for me, but I really, I, I do embody like power. Like when I go to these speaking engagements and I'm in this, like, really neat suit. Like it's like a $300 suit, whatever. I don't spend a lot of money on clothes, but I've started to embody that because I was like, I really want a very sleek suit, you know, and I want it to be clean and I want it to be like that. And I do feel powerful. I can feel the energy shift from like, not that I don't feel that in my clothing right now. I still feel that, but there's this like, ah, I'm here, you know, yeah, yes. and we can embody that and use those things as practices, which is really, really great. But the biggest thing for me has always been moving my emotions through my body. That makes me feel the most powerful, the most feminine, um, and allowing to, in partnership to like, to just watch the polarity and be in my feminine and partnership has also just really allowed myself to do that because I'm someone that lives in her masculine a lot. And mm. so learning how to just body language can also help shift that too. Wow. I love that. That is so cool. Um, The last thing that just came to my mind as you were speaking to that is um, I feel so feminine when I orgasm. And it's just so cool for me to say that because of the journey that I've been on. But literally this morning, my body, I think, is prepping for um, um, ovulation. So I'm feeling like Girl, you are ready. You are about to be in You are in the ring. Yes, girl. So I, um, this morning had an orgasm and I literally just give it, I I gave myself so much space to just, I just sat there and I was like, I have like an after wave to mine where it's just like this whole like entire, like tingly sensation. I was like, I'm going to sit in this and I just want to like feel it. And it literally felt like I had like magic in my fingertips. And I remember just like rolling my body and just feeling like this is fucking magic and yet that's another place in our lives that I feel like we've been gypped that like sex and pleasure is something that's for men and I think I went through the same thing of like oh god going through which this is an entire I literally just opened a can of worms to an entire other podcast episode but it's it's so cool to be able to sit in that power and just like uh, just feel so pleasurable and just know that that was something that I did for myself and how good that feels. And it was, it's incredible. Yeah. That that for me too, like in a lot of ways, like the whole sex piece, like in summary short, like I used to be like sex is for men. I need to make sure that he gets off, that he orgasms. Like if he come, I was successful. I never, ever thought that I was like, I was a priority. And in my current partnership, he fucking changed that. He was like, you know, you're the queen. You're the one that you're the priority in this room. And I was like, it took, honestly, it took me a second to even process that, like recalibrate to that sense of thing and being treated in that way, but not even just being treated that way, giving myself permission to feel that way, which is what you're talking about. And like fully feel every moment of my orgasm. 
has been like letting my body do whatever it wants in that moment feels so freeing and so powerful, but so pleasurable, like a pleasure that I didn't even know was available to me because one, I just saw things differently, but two, like, I think a lot of the times, like I didn't give myself permission to even feel that. And so creating safety to even feel that within myself, that is a whole nother thing. And I'm like, I would come out of those. I'm like, that is so nice. Like I didn't, I didn't even <laughs> like, it's just power literally just energy. That's just flowing and exploding like fireworks, like to the world that like only you get to feel, you know, like the way that you feel it. And you're the only one in that moment. And so like giving yourself permission to feel that is like, I feel like I envision like this water, this powerful waterfall that it is just yeah. doesn't stop, you know, it's just so sacred. There. Yeah, definitely. I love that so much. And I just want to speak to for anyone who's listening to this and you've, I don't know, feel inspired to like get out of your comfort zone when it comes to exercising your femininity. I just want to speak to to the discomfort of it. Like if you heard Corinna sharing about like the dancing and you were like, I would feel like such a loser trying to dance sexy in my room. Uh, Feel weird, make it weird, like be weird about it, like get uncomfortable, like just do it because your body doesn't you don't know that you can move like that yet because you've never allowed yourself or given yourself permission to even just flow. Yeah. I think the tip there too, it doesn't have to look a certain way. So 100%. like if you, cause I remember like when I first started doing this, I'm like, oh, well this is sexy. This is how people move. Like I should twerk and do these things. Like, yes, yes, no, yes. like start with just letting the, the music flow through you yeah. and whatever that is, you're doing it. Like, I think that's the, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable, but whatever that is, you're doing it. And the more that you practice that, the more that you feel like you're embodying this, the song, the sexiness, the feminine, the comfortability, the confidence, but it truly doesn't have to look the way that you think it looks on social media or dancers or things like that. Or maybe someone has, if you, I'll actually, I actually do have an Instagram post that I did this for everyone else. Like, I'm happy to send it to you so you can see it. Um, with the work downs and steps on how to do it you're for yourself at home. But like, if I do it in a certain way, it doesn't have to look that way. Like yeah. you could barely move in the song for all I know, but as long as it's your feeling, how it flows through you, like that's, that's it. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. And that advice is so good for anything else that you might be inspired to do. That might be uncomfortable as well. Be that like dressing in a way that makes you feel feminine and powerful and actually leaving your house. Cause those are two different things. You know what I mean? Like leaving your house in that outfit, or maybe you feel inspired about orgasms after listening to this conversation, but you're not used to like setting that time aside for yourself or like really just kind of sitting in that. I just really, if it feels uncomfortable, good. You're doing something right. Probably it's out of your comfort zone. You're not used to doing it. So of course it's going to feel uncomfortable. That's how we build new muscles. So get weird with it get fucking weird. The weirder you feel, the more uncomfortable you feel, not the more uncomfortable you feel, but it, it should feel different. The other thing that's really supportive. Sorry. That thought I thought about that might share is like creating the space of the container for it. So like, you know, candles, music, like, you know, maybe you buy yourself a new something, you know, something that like makes this thing exciting, like something to look forward to might be also helpful to step into that container of having an orgasm, dancing beautifully, putting on clothing. Like maybe when you're putting on the clothing, there's a certain song that makes you feel very like powerful. If I can put that song on and then choose the outfit that mimics or makes you feel the same way that the song makes you feel right. So there's all these different ways of creating this space to make you feel more powerful, but also are more welcoming to the idea, but also just excited about it. Like there is a sense of like, oh, these other elements are also adding to my experience. And so you can also think about that. Absolutely. I love that advice so much. Mm-hmm. Karina, do you have anything? I I, I want to speak to like women who have breast implants, women who are thinking about having breast implants, women who just feel like insecure about their boobs in general. Is there any piece of advice or anything that you want to say to them? Hmm. Well, I'm on the side of like, if you have breast implants and you love them and there's nothing that you want to do with them, keep them, you know, they're just because yes. people are starting to remove them. Like don't jump on that train. But if you do feel the invitation of it, don't be shy to exploring what that looks like for you. That's really like my only thing. Like if you hear the invitation, you get the curiosity of like, you know, I'm considering taking mine out, go for it. And if you feel the fears of it, 
you're welcome to reach out to me. I'm happy to talk through that. Um, cause it's definitely a scary decision no matter what. Um, but I just say, if you hear the whispers, I'm always a fan of like, listen to less whispers, because if not, the whispers become louder and they come screaming and knocking at your door. And at that point you might make more, um, emotional decisions versus like, you know, very much from a grounded space. So that's my advice. And if you got itty bitties, like I'd say, you know, there's something so sexy to itty bitties too, right? There is no definition of like what your boobs look like, whether they're big or small, medium, sideways, different, you know, my boyfriend and I were laughing last night because like there's my, there's one boob that feels a little bigger than the other. Like there's one that's a little smaller. And he was like, they look like boobs. And I was like, okay, what do you mean? And he was like, babe, I've seen a lot of different boobs and they're all different shapes, sizes look differently. Like they just look like boobs. Like, the, I yep. don't know what you want me to tell you. And like hearing him say that he's so like, beautiful. every color I've seen, I've seen different colors of boobs, different shapes of boobs. One's always bigger. One's always smaller. And it doesn't even matter. Yeah. And like hearing a man, a man say that, like, I was just like, so healing. Oh, well, I never even thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you've definitely probably seen more boobs than I have. I've seen a lot more boobs in my life, but like him and like, a like, you know, sex. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or I'm not saying there, but he was just making the point of like, they look like boobs. They don't have to look the same. And just getting that perspective from, from him and just like reiterating that was super supportive because all of our boobs don't look the same. They all honestly look different. Just kind of like vaginas. I don't know if you've seen like every girl's vagina is different and they're all fucking beautiful the way that they are. 100%. I love that advice so much. Um, Corinne, I also just really want to acknowledge you for your bravery and being vulnerable in speaking to this because you don't need to do that. And it's, mm-hmm. I know that you do it to support other people to educate other people, to make other people feel seen and heard. And as a result to that, people feel seen and heard and they know things that they didn't know before they heard you speak. And that's just such a big deal. And I know that that takes a lot of bravery and I really acknowledge you for that. Thank you. I I just really want to normalize these conversations more. And I think that you're already doing that, obviously in the containers that you're in. And it's so important. Like when I look at little me or I look at like little me specifically, high school me, college me, even me five years ago and me today, these conversations are the most valuable. And so the more that I could play a part of that and be a body love advocate, because I think that's like, I don't do anything in this space, but I truly believe our bodies can be the the vessel to our healing and the access to so much mm. in a lot of different ways. So thank you I for love having that. me on. Of course, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for what you're doing. Like this is I've never stepped into the coaching role for this, but I know the powerful things that you're teaching other people and the way people get to receive from that, because being someone that's received that is just, it's life-changing and necessary and available. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's so fucking fun. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Krenna, where can people continue to follow your journey? Where can people find you? Yeah. So I have my own personal brand and page Instagram, if you want, as like, I am Corinna Soto. That's where you kind of get more of like the, all of me. Um, but I also have a podcast called the fully expressed podcast where I talk about this and just different things to inviting us into our fullest expression. And so those are the two areas that you can always find me. Um, and I'm always accessible. I just love connecting. So thank you. Sweet. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. I so appreciate you and to everyone else. We'll catch you next week.